welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, lovely. Happy Wednesday. I do not often talk about business in too many episodes here on the You're Welcome podcast because I'm well aware that not everyone tuning in are entrepreneurs. But I was thinking about how March 1, I headed off to Mexico to finally, after two years, fully commit to writing my style book and shift into this brand new season in my business that I had been working for so long to get to. And 10 days later, on March 10th, uh, we realized the pandemic was a for real thing here in the United States and changing absolutely everything. So when we ended up in Phoenix for two and a half months, uh, sheltering at home in an Airbnb, I just did not feel inspired to write. It was not the headspace that I was in. I was I was anxious. There was so much turmoil that was happening. We were in this weird space. We didn't know from week to week where we were going to live, what you know, where we were going to go, what was safe. And simultaneously with everything happening with both shutdowns and then the recession that came out of that, I was so much more focused on my Elegant Excellence Mastermind students, my fellow entrepreneurs, this group of about 200 women that uh, have been with me since January and really helping them pivot and find new ways to bring in revenue and adjust their strategy. And that was so much where, more of where my heart and mind was. And I had a course for entrepreneurs planned for the fall. Remember on January 1, 2020, when we laid out our grand plans for, you know, royal mindset of 2020 and what an incredible, exceptional year this is going to be. So I had these beautiful plans for the year. And one of them was this idea I'd been noodling on for this new course in the fall. And I just felt that it was needed now. What it, it was about helping people make revenue more quickly, simplify things, make things happen, take action. And it was so much of what I was talking about with my mastermind students that I was just like, there are there are people that need this and they're going to need it in these next six months. So yet again, I paused writing my style book, which um, yes, I will be totally honest, brings up questions of should I feel failure at pushing back that goal or is this wisdom as a CEO to pivot? Truthfully, there really wasn't an internal debate. It felt like a very clear answer that it was a yes to move forward with the course. But just FYI, that does not mean that our emotions do not beat us up about those decisions, even when they actually seem uh, clear. So that brand new course actually opens today. And even if it is not right for you or you are not an entrepreneur, what I wanted to share today at the same time of that, is some big picture over the last year of what I've learned about myself and other predominantly female entrepreneurs. And I trust that in having this conversation, it's going to make those of you that are female entrepreneurs or aspiring feel less alone, less crazy. It will give some of you a huge light bulb aha moment of, I didn't realize this is what I was doing. Or it may give you empathy for a friend or a daughter who is an entrepreneur, if that's someone in your life, or just be a fascinating behind the scenes at a different industry if you have another career path that you are called to. So I'm going to start off a little esoteric, but then I'm going to get actionable. So I did an episode almost a year ago. I will link that below. It's called, I Owe You an Apology. And I cannot believe, does anyone else just feel like, where the heck did this year go? How is it the middle? How is it the end? Oh my gosh, it's like the end of June. I just can't get over that. So it's been almost a year since I recorded the episode. It feels like six months. And you can go listen to that for more context. But the very short story is that I had brought on business partners to my business maybe three or four years ago now. And um, I realized last summer some things had been happening that I didn't know about that um, were not treating my audience well. Things that I had not given permission to happen that were happening. And it was just, I really felt like I needed to take accountability that these things are happening in my name. And even though I do not know about them, I need to, I need to know about them. I need to create a company culture where that is the case. And really it opened my eyes, myself in that season and and looking around at others, I realized that I so want to share the burden of entrepreneurship and that that is 
a very common desire. Wanting to say, I often say being an entrepreneur is like being a single mother of triplets. I mean, I would imagine most of my friends and listeners who have been a single mom would be like, would I have preferred to co-parent? Yes. <laughs> would that have felt lovely to share that that weight, that responsibility? Like, yes, it's a blessing, but also it is really big and heavy. And I think specifically as women, we desire to be relational. We want to have a buddy. We want to have a partner. We want to do things in, you know, in community in that way. And so I so wanted to share that burden that, and I also simultaneously wanted to not have to have the responsibility in my weak areas. And so therefore, when I brought people into my business who ex- who said they were an expert in those areas, I was too trusting. I was like, oh, thank goodness, you're just going to take that over there. And I'll be honest that I, I hate, and I said this in that episode, I hate to s- admit things that I feel like can be weaknesses for women. It makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm being anti-feminist or something. I think I've just always resisted feeling like something was harder for me because I was a woman or I had less of a strength in it because I was a woman. But I do know that it's a common narrative just in personal finances, that there are so many stories, I think specifically in generations above me a little bit more, there are so many stories of women who did not know what was happening in their finances or who don't know what's happening in their finances, who have said, finances is not my area. I'm going to trust my husband. I'm going to trust my spouse. I'm going to let them make all the decisions. I'm going to let them do all the things. Now, this is not across the board. Um, In the case of my parents' marriage, you know, I was home recently and my dad actually said to me, we were talking about finances and he was like, mom has so many accounts. You know, if she dies before me, I have no idea where our money is. I mean, I just, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I was like, okay, my mom is very organized. I'm sure she has a very clear spreadsheet. And when I asked her, she was like, it's all listed on one page in the files. But in my parents' marriage, it's the opposite. It's like my mom was the one that took that as sort of a a stay-at-home mom while we were growing up. So it's not across the board. But I think that even within that, yes, my mom is on top of it, but she still has the energy of, I'm not good at finances. I wish I was better at this. I, you know, they have a CPA, they have a financial planner, but there's, it's sort of like she'll do the paperwork part of it, but she wishes ultimately that she was better at it. So I think that for me, the numbers, the data, that side of business, anything that was like software and systems, I was like, oh, please, if someone else will just take over that. And so what I really became convicted of last summer for myself was a call to take more ownership. And to say it doesn't work to delegate these huge areas. To there, there is a difference between delegating versus truly giving up my own power. I need to stay in ownership of this a hundred percent while welcoming people in to help me. It doesn't mean I have to do it all myself. But it, there was a, a lack of ownership that I was wanting somebody to share the burden with. And I was so happy when they came along that I just kind of gave them the keys to the kingdom without being like, actually, I think that this has to stay 100% mine. In the same way that if you go, I, I often go back to the parenting analogy for entrepreneurship. I realize that I'm not a parent myself. But this idea that if you have a child, it is your child. Like you are the mother and you can have the most wonderful nannies and babysitters and gay uncles and and friends and neighbors that help you out. But there still is an ownership that you wouldn't you wouldn't say to the babysitter, well, you make the medical decision, right? Like you'd be like, no, I'm the mother. I'm the one that has to make that decision. And it's not saying I can't ever get help. I can't ever leave the child with someone else. I can't ever have an expert in something that I'm not an expert in that helps me with my child. But there is this internal sense of ownership. So a handful of months after that, uh, awareness with one business partner who left the business, I had another decision to make about my next business partner. We, my, my other business partner now that we had gone from three to two, we needed to decide what our contract and relationship was. And as we were moving forward to a big moment in that, um, I, God very clearly told me no. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> if someone said that to me, I'd be like, what do you mean God told you that? Um, and you may be like, I don't even believe in God. So I, all the, all the more so don't know what that means. 
for me, that looked like I had, uh, and I believe I've shared part of the story before in a previous episode, um, but I had one night when we were at a church thing on a Wednesday night when within a few minutes I ended up in two back-to-back conversations not intending to be seeking out fellow entrepreneur fellow CEOs to get wisdom from in this moment and in both of those conversations that something happened I won't go into it where the person was like you know what we should sit down and talk and I was like oh I, I that wasn't even on my radar but that would be amazing then when those people were available happened to be a Friday night and a Sunday afternoon. And in between those two, we had a conference at church, our women's conference. So I ended up going into this first meeting on Friday. And this man, I had never met him. I knew his wife very briefly from something else. That, um, And he is a CEO and just so generously offered to sit down and give me advice. And his message was so clear and confident. And he spoke to so many things that I was like, man, if he hadn't said that, I would have been like, well, but you don't understand my situation. Or if he hadn't had six different times when this thing happened to him, I would have said, no, but you don't get it. Like our relationship is different. And I mean, I was shaking physically when I came out because it felt so clear to me that the answer was, you are not meant to legally give this business to anyone else. This has been given to you. And there is a difference between getting help versus splitting this thing that you've been given and handing half of it to someone else. Because other people in life will have their own calling. And if you feel that this is the thing that God has called you to for the rest of your life, that it may not be the thing that this other person is called to. And that you know, he said to to Jeremy and I, you know, you you are called to one another in marriage. So this business has been given to Hillary, and because Hillary is married to Jeremy, then this is this is something for your family. So if you are, you know, processing these decisions with Jeremy about, am I going to invest in this? Am I going to take this financial risk in that? Like he's like, that's that's what's been given to your household. But if you're trying to balance that with someone else's household, you, you can end up headed in two different directions. And I will be very clear. I'm not saying that this message is for everyone, just for me. I'm not saying that no one should be going into business partnership, but it was very clear to me in the moment that the message I was getting was that I was putting my trust in my business partner and not in God. And for you, that might be not putting your trust in yourself or the universe. I don't think that this is an explicitly uh, religious statement to acknowledge that I was putting my trust in someone else to have the answer, to be the savior of the business, to be the the thing, the person that I couldn't live without that wasn't myself or God or my husband, etc. And for because I went from that meeting right into this conference on Friday night and all day Saturday and then into another um, meeting on Sunday afternoon, it was like 48 straight hours of the same message being driven home. And I posted on Instagram back when I was in Mexico. I'll link the um, the photo below. My friend Hannah, and I think I may have shared this here on the podcast, she – when we were at this conference, she came up and she had a – vision for me, which sounds real weird if you're not used to things like that. Um, in in the the church, it's, it's called a prophecy. She's like, I, I have this, you know, this, this prophecy for you. I have this vision. So meaning we're in worship and Hannah's like, I have this picture come into my head and I feel like I'm supposed to go tell Hillary. So Hannah comes up and tells me this. Now, I will just say that is not the way I was raised. If you had told me this stuff 10 years ago, I would have been like, that sounds weird. I don't get that. Um, it has become more a part of my life with some of the churches I've been a part of in New York City and a really like, beautiful part. But know that I'm totally okay if you're like, this sounds weird. Totally fine. You can just be like, whatever. Hannah had a dream about you. Hannah heard a podcast and she thought of you. Whatever it is that resonates with you. So she's like, I had this image that you and Jesus were at a picnic and he like there was flowers and there was fruit and it was all really beautiful and then it turned out actually that it was a that that suddenly you were on a triathlon and but the whole time whether you were running or biking or swimming he was carrying you on his back 
And I just lost it. Like this photo on my Instagram, like I am just weeping. And I had no idea until, anyways, a friend happened to like take a picture at the moment. I had no idea that a, a photo happened to be taken. But I was just weeping because it, what I had been feeling in those, you know, first 24 hours of this was I am so terrified of being told the answer has to be within you. Like the the answer is not in someone else. And I was just like, I am so unequipped. Like I don't know how to do this. And so this imagery of I do not want to run a triathlon because I am I am not the sportiest spice. Um, I really struggle to keep up with my husband on a bicycle. I've just started running since quarantine. Not a real strong swimmer. Can't tell you the last time I really s- swam a lap. I will never you can you can quote me right here in 2020. I will never be the girl whose life goal it is one year to run a triathlon or, or run or do whatever it is, finish one. Um, that sounds miserably, shockingly overwhelming to me. Kind of on par with running a massive business where I keep wishing that someone else would come along and be willing to help me. But this idea that it, and again, Just give me a lot of grace, guys, if you're like, this sounds weird to me. The idea that it was God doing these things and I was on his back. I was being carried. Now, obviously, if you just picture, and again, if if you're just like, your friend had a dream about you. If that computes with you better, great. If your friend had this dream about you, the idea that you did the whole thing running on, uh, like riding on someone else's back, okay, that's way easier. Now you're doing this hard thing. You're a part of doing this hard thing, but it is easy for you. Because the actual, like, movement is coming from someone else. And then Hannah pointed out to me, and I, I told her the next day or the next week or something, I was like, that that spoke to me so much. Like, you just don't even know. And she said, as I've thought about it more, what really stands out to me is that you were you were on a picnic. Like, you got, you got tricked into the triathlon. <laughs> you thought you were just on a picnic. You thought this was going to be lovely and casual and light. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're exactly right. When I started a little side business, I was just trying to stop catering. <laughs> I was just trying to stop uh, you know, doing temp work. I just wanted to do something that used my mind and my talents. I wanted to make a little bit more than $35,000 a year living in New York City. Um, I just, that's all I was trying to do. And yes, I was going to help, I was going to be a personal stylist. I was going to help them organize their closets and shop on a budget and yeah, that sounds like a picnic compared to the triathlon of a multi-million dollar business where I'm in these huge, you know, partnership negotiations and we're talking about such huge sums of money and I'm having to make decisions that could affect me for decades to come or I could regret 10 years from now because I couldn't see around every corner. And so I'm clear that that at the time that vision of like the picnic into the triathlon it was personal. It wasn't something that was like, here's my message I'm supposed to go and share for people. It was just for it was just for me. It was a very private moment. And yet, as I reflect on it, I don't know, nine months later, it doesn't make sense to me that it's only for me. Um, you know, I, I really honor that we have all different spiritual ideas coming at this today. And again, I don't think this is a religious message, but I think overall the message that it is within us instead of outside of us. That is true for everyone. I have not observed any other entrepreneur in the nine months since with the 200 women I'm walking through my mastermind with, with any of my colleagues, with just other people that I look up to in this space. I'm not seeing anyone else where I'm like, oh, for them the story is it was outside of them. I think it is cohesive that that it's within us, whether that for you is... God or the universe or yourself. It's the the difference between I need a hero, I need a hero, um, or I, I do have this within me. And I think that this concept of a hero, I also know that it's not exclusive to me. One of the, the things that really clarified this for me is I started working with an executive coach right after this, right around this same time. So thankful for that. And a female executive coach. And she said, sometime early on working together, everyone who comes to her wants is ready to either sell their business or get a business partner. Now, she only works with women entrepreneurs that that have businesses of a million dollars and above. So I don't want to paint this heavy picture that everyone who goes into entrepreneurship has this weight. 
it is very rare. It's 1.8% of female-owned businesses that are making a million dollars or more in revenue. That's a very small percentage of people. But I, I knew that I wasn't alone, that there is this sense of the plane gets bigger than you know how to fly. You didn't set out to build such a big plane, and it gets bigger than you realized and you knew, and there's a sense of, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Can someone please come help me with this? And that made me feel, it made me feel so much better to know that I wasn't alone, and it also made me feel very convicted and compelled. Okay, so this is a major corporate mindset that we have of, I, I, I can't do this alone. I need someone to come and help me. Um, just a week or two ago, I read, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Julia Engel, the style blogger of Gal Meets Glam, she posted that she had started a clothing uh, company, Gal Meets Glam Collection, maybe a year or so ago. And she basically announced that she was closing the company and it was because of um, partying with her business partner and her business partner wanting, in essence, for it to get for it to get bigger, for it to be more profitable, for it to, to churn out more content, and that not being sustainable for her. Having having a family, like she doesn't want to be working that quickly, that hard, that many hours, it not feeling authentic and not feeling creatively inspiring. Um, I will link that article below if you want to take a look at it because anytime I see that, it really perks up to me of like, oh yeah, this is not a new or a rare story. And even though few of my audience will get to that point because they aren't getting that big, when it what we have to look at the fact that it trickles down. That light switch doesn't go on all of a sudden when you hit a million dollars. And you're like, you know what? It'd be really nice if somebody helped me out with this. I think that it's there from the beginning. If it wasn't there from the beginning, I don't think we would get there at that, that higher level. So I see it in smaller doses inside my Elegant Excellence Mastermind girls. I see it with the questions that they ask in our private group. We have this really amazing private group on a separate platform, private community, and um, it's just so amazing <laughs> that they can go there, they can ask questions, they can chat, we can all converse, it can be private, you can get instant feedback. And in general, asking questions is great. Having the humility to know you don't know everything, the asking for help, being in community, working with experts, it is way harder to run a business alone. I have been on record saying that for years, that when I finally got into a private community, when I finally joined a mastermind, it just was such a game changer in my business. That was my first like, aha, next level of growth. Um, but I also really rallied them in January when we started working together to the energy that you can welcome in so much help and stay empowered. Or you can come in unempowered and be chasing around for all the help. I kind of think of it like, imagine that it's, that it's twilight. It's dusk and you are in a forest. The trees are tall. You can't see where you're going. You, um, and you're on camera. Your people are watching you. And so you're, you're afraid that you're going to feel embarrassed if you be like trip over a, a tree branch or, you know, something coming out of the ground and you, you don't want to look awkward. You want to look graceful and you don't want to get lost because then it's going to take you even longer. You, you want to get to where you're going. And it's the difference in that scenario between squinting where you're like, I, you're straining. You're like, what can I see? Is there, is there a light? Is there a person? I'm straining my ears. Maybe I can hear someone else. Maybe, okay, I'm looking down at the ground. I just like, oh, I just, I'm so afraid to make a mistake. And maybe can I see where I'm supposed to be going? I just don't know. And it starts to bring this sense of like panic and like, oh no, I don't know what's happening. Versus if you have a flashlight and you're still in this darkness, there's still the tall trees, but you have a flashlight and you can look around and see where you're going. And it's a much more peaceful environment to be like, oh, there's a tree branch on the ground. I'm going to step over that. Like, oh, look, it looks like there's an opening in the woods over there. There's more of a sense of, I'm fine. You know, I'll like, I mean, I, I know I'm not like hundreds of miles out in the wilderness. Like, I'll be fine. I'm just, you know, just a 20 minute walk away and I'm going to figure this out because I have a flashlight. That to me is the difference of we, 
we we want to keep getting help. It's not about not getting help, but it's in your core. Do you have that feeling of, I really don't feel like I know what I'm doing in business. And I just, I feel like someone else has the answer and it's just, it's out there. I feel like other people know more than I do and I'm probably going to embarrass myself and I'm probably going to waste time and I just, oh, and then I'm going to regret. I'm going to have so much shame and failure versus, okay, I do have this core within myself that knows how to do this and I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to have a flashlight. It's, I'm not trying to be superwoman with like x-ray vision here, but there's such a different energy in that. So I saw simple examples of questions that come up in the group. Oftentimes someone will ask something and I will ask back, have you Googled this? Which sounds like a funny response and I'm not trying to be sassy and I'm not trying to say, excuse me, don't waste my time and Google this. I'm genuinely trying to remind people, Google is honestly a tool that you have right in front of you. Like you don't have to wait. You don't have to get permission. You don't have to need somebody else to be available. You don't have to wait for the time for them to get back to you. Like Google is actually a tool that you have right there to be like, there is more information available to me than any previous generation of business owners ever. Um, The second kind of question is, should I do this or that? Do you know? Do, do I use? Um, should I do a webinar or a three-part video series? Which is going to convert better for my new course? And the reality is, there's not a right answer. You have to test. Like I usually will come back and be like, "Well, here's an example of an entrepreneur entrepreneur doing this, and here's an example of someone doing this." And the fact that they're doing both probably means that both are effective. You have to test and see which one works for you. Which comes back to that sense of you have to find the answer. And it's not, oh, if I, I'm, it's not like you're not smart enough and that's why you don't know the answer. It's just the way people find the answer for them, for their business, their product, their audience, is they test and they try things. They don't just magically, they're, they're not, you know, uh, they, they can't read people's minds more than you. It's just, oh, this is one of those things where you find the answer and that's how it works. And the third kind of question is where I end up saying, you know, you already have more tools than you're using. So I had, I have a lot of girls who are creating uh, classes and courses inside the mastermind. And someone said, hey, th- there was a group of them that have gathered together and they're supporting one another and going through this, which is so beautiful. And they're like, hey, we were talking on our Zoom call with the course girls about um, what, what program we should get that teaches us how to build an online class. And I said, I'm, I'm happy to give you some suggestions on that, but I do just want to, I'm curious what your questions are, because I want to point out, you already have access to me and that's what my business is. <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh my gosh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Let us, let us go back and we'll gather our questions. And it was just this idea of like, okay, I've probably got to get this other course to get this thing. And I was like, well, actually you're already in this mastermind and you have me. I'm not saying I have all the answers and maybe a course would help you. But just like make sure you exhaust everything from me before you go to that. So then I followed back up and I was like, hey, guys, I never heard back. What were your questions? Like, I'm happy to do a CEO hour on that. They're like, yeah, once you said that to us and we got on the call, we realized actually we don't really have questions. We were just using it as a, a, a fear, a deflection mechanism of, well, I probably am, don't have enough information to just create my course right now. So maybe I should buy a course about how to make a course And then two months from now, I'll actually be able to move forward with it. And we actually realized we don't really have that many questions. We could just do it now and learn from it. And I was just like, ha, 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 out of applause. So I I just look at those simple examples and that to me, the core goes back to someone, someone in this group or someone in another course, somewhere out there is the answer. And just those little shifts of empowerment of like, Maybe I could just Google this real quick and I could find it faster. Or maybe there isn't some answer that I don't know. Maybe I have to test and that's what everybody else has done. Or maybe I don't need to wait until I get another course or another coach. Like maybe I'm in this mastermind and I have resources right here. Maybe I already have a colleague or a previous course that I've bought that I didn't, you know, complete and go through that answers this. So I think with that foundation of wanting to take more ownership. I think the first step is that awareness of, yes, there are times when within me, I I, I want to give that away. <laughs> I don't really want to take that. I'm with you. I feel convicted. <laughs> 
okay, so what do I do about that? So practically how we shift that, it's a, it's a lot of numerous things. But for me, it first off started with the Elegant Excellence Mastermind, which I did for six months in 2019 and then really revamped for 2020 and got even more specific with them and then have learned even more from them and from observing them these last six months in seeing the things that I started to really call them to in January and how effective it was for them. But then I also realized there was even more that they were looking for. So that expanded into this brand new course that is launching today called Creative Business Accelerator. And it's also why I'm opening up Elegant Excellence Mastermind for more members for the second half of the year starting today um, because I, I see the value of being in the mastermind. I see the value of the community. I see the, the prevalent need and specifically right now with everything that's happening with coronavirus and the recession and people needing more income and people being exhausted and distracted and overwhelmed. There's just so much that I see happening in culture that says like people need help and they need it um, affordably and lightly and easily. And and that's what I want to do. So if this conversation is resonating with you, I'm hosting a live call. If you're listening to this uh, today, it's today and tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday. You can sign up for that below. There is an extensive sales page where you can you know, read, hear, and learn a lot more be- between those two things. But I want to give you a few examples of what that ownership practically looks like and why I've created the teaching I have that's based on that. So one thing is it's a different way to look at strategy. I said earlier, I don't like to admit that things are different for female entrepreneurs. Um, Even the title of this podcast episode, Saying Female Entrepreneurs, makes me feel a little bit squishy because I've always felt a bit defensive. Why can women only learn from women? I don't like the premise that because I'm a woman, it's only women that would want to learn business from me. But I also don't want to ignore that there are indeed some differences. Having worked with men in various capacities throughout uh, my business, whether it's business partners or coaches or colleagues, I can honestly say there is there is a confidence in a lot of men. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not necessarily saying it's bad, but I don't know, m- m- maybe there's elements of that. Maybe it's haughtiness or pride. Like, I'm, again, I'm not saying this about um, all men, but like, is it more lean in that direction? I want to know the answer. I want to be right. I want to look strong enough. I want to lock, not look weak. I, I deserve to have my voice heard. I expect to be respected. Um, that, that shows up a little bit differently than women who tend to be like, well, let's have a communal, communal conversation about it. I'd love to hear everyone's ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm more open to that. And is there part of me that's like, well, maybe someone else has the answer? Is there, am I more likely to have that imposter syndrome that's like, I think other people might know more about business than, than I do. Do I not really know what I'm doing here? Am I kind of just faking this? Am I going to be found out? Am, am I going to realize that I just kind of got lucky or just tried some things that worked? And I think there's this inherent fear of like, might it all come crashing down because I don't really know what I'm doing. So to me, it is having ways to frame and teach and see business that communicate the way women communicate, which is about understanding humans, which is something, and again, I realize that I'm making generalizations and I like hate that I'm making them, but I also just, I I feel like it would be inauthentic not to say Women tend to be good at humans, understanding humans, building relationships, storytelling. There's certain ways that I've been teaching just in 2020 within the Elegant Excellence Mastermind that have led to such light bulb moments for my students who are like, I, I have something that I teach called the funnel of love that's a core component of the Creative Business Accelerator. And I created it one day. I just was looking at their questions and I felt like there were just so many people that felt like there was one puzzle piece missing. And I just sat down, wrote this whole thing out, taught it the next day, and they were like, no one has ever explained business to me like this. Like, I just, I understand everything. You took all of this terminology about ideal client avatar and opt-in and funnel and list building and upsells and 
you know, objection handling. You took all of this stuff and you just put it into a story that I that I understood. And I think to me, it's I have this real passion that I think you are more gifted at business than you realize. If you can learn some foundational principles to see Pinterest or podcasting, whatever it is you're thinking about expanding into next, not as technical, strategy, software, there's some secret that you're missing, there's five keys to succeeding, you got to beat the algorithm, but okay, this is about human psychology, storytelling, relationships, and I want to tell you, I still can get this imposter syndrome. I mean, I get served the same ads you do on Instagram, and the number of times that a webinar title creates that scarcity for me. I'm like, what do I not know? Like, what are the secrets of Pinterest? We're not really using Pinterest in our business. Should we be using Pinterest in our business? Would that be like the key to everything? I'm like, I don't know. Should I be going to this webinar? Like, I'd have to be like, okay, hold on. <laughs> like, I-, I was just living my life in my day. And then I got served this ad that suddenly made me feel like there's a secret I don't know. I'm missing out. I'm behind. I have fear. I have scarcity. I have overwhelm. So to me, this is really about a different approach of grounding ourselves in confidence, which is not about putting a post-it on the mirror and just being like, I'm going to be more confident. It's like, no, I, I fundamentally have a different vision now, a different picture that Hillary has given me for what business is like. I have different language. And yes, I'm still going to have so much more to learn. It doesn't mean that I have all of the answers, but it shifts from this squinting of, oh, is it out there? I don't know. Like maybe it's with one more webinar. Maybe it's with this. I hope nobody realizes that I don't really know what I'm doing in this area to this flashlight of, okay, I feel more peaceful. I feel more confident. I can't get totally rattled or flummoxed. Or if I do, I just realize like, you know what? I just dropped my flashlight. I can just pick it back up again. It's it's going to be fine. And the other big thing for me is that confidence comes through action. Confidence comes through action. I'm going to give more examples of this on the live call, on the sales page, but the creation of this new product was very meta. I used what I had while in quarantine, and I used the reality of the constraints to challenge me to create more simply and efficiently, to be less of a perfectionist, to to just make things happen. I was like, I'm gonna film this while I'm in Arizona at this Airbnb. My previous courses, I've probably spent five figures on a, a film crew, an editor, sound, hair and makeup. I've spent days, weeks pulling together all of the art direction, the set, the clothing, all the things. My, my programs are beautiful. This time I had an iPhone. I had my laptop, I had one nice dress that was in my, um, that was in my suitcase, and I had a deadline of when we were leaving Arizona. And I just used what I had because I realized that's exactly what I'm encouraging other people to do. If I'm showing this huge bells and whistles production and then I'm saying, I want to help you launch quickly, easily, and cheaply. That's it's real hard when you're like, okay, but you didn't you didn't launch quickly, easily, and cheaply, right? So it's really hard for you to put something out on a level 10 and then ask me to be okay with the fact that mine's at a level four, just in terms of the production level or the bells and whistles. Not but realizing that the content is the same either way. And part of that came that I was so inspired by seeing the action inside the Elegant Excellence Mastermind, the 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 number of stories of people who said I I had this slated for four months. I thought this was going to take me months to do, to make this new course, to create this new product, to roll this new thing out. And I did it in a day. I did it in two days. I did it in a weekend. And the buzz that came from them of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> like, guys, guys, I, I, I was going to work on this course for the next four months and I just did it in two days. Can you believe that? I did. And I just, I made money over the weekend. Like, I just, I can't even believe. Like, what was I doing before? And I was like, yes, this is the answer. And I'd gotten a kernel of that. I'll share more of the story, but my my husband started a side business last year. And watching how quickly he made decisions was this light bulb moment for me. And I'd said to him at the time, I was like, there's a teaching in this. I, You are doing things in 90 minutes that my girl is spending three months doing. 
And the reality is the longer that we make these things, just the heavier they become, the weightier, the more unsure. Now, if you launch it and no one buys it, it's just devastating because you put so much time, money, and energy into it. Like, we just make it so miserable for ourselves. And and I am, am guilty of that as well because I realized I've really been challenging myself over the last year that I've built up stories that launching is hard. Webinars are hard. Certain things in my business are like, whew, okay, big week, big week around here. Yeah, <sighs> launch week. Okay, all right, it's gonna be miserable, but we're gonna get through it, guys. Um, okay, webinar day. All right, guys, so you know, webinar day, we usually have a lot of meltdowns. It's usually real stressful. I need everyone to just be on their A game. And then I just said to my team, like, what? that's just a story that webinars are stressful. I go live every single week in my mastermind. We don't even do a tech check. We don't do all the like fancy lighting and make sure the right mic is set. I just teach and it's, it's fine. Guys, I know how to go live and teach. Why have I made this such a big thing? So I was really challenging myself in this process. How could I strip back to what I was doing in the very beginning of my business when I was just a hustler and I just needed money and I didn't have the luxury of taking any more time because I was a single woman in New York City with absolutely no savings who needed to pay rent in two months. I'm sorry, in two weeks. So I just had to make things happen. And what I realized we are so desiring is we want an exact map. We want someone to just be like, here are steps one through ten. Now, the reason that doesn't exist is because there isn't one map. But I said, you know what? I'm going to create one. It's not the only one. It's not the only way to do things. But, but it's a way and it allows us to launch in three to 30 days. That is my commitment with the class. You can launch in three to 30 days. That means a brand new business, a side gig, a new product, why the range of three to 30 days? Well, it depends if you have full time to do this and it's a brand new business that you're, is it a brand new business that you're starting out? Do you already have a lot of the deliverables there? You've already got a, a CRM, an email thing set up, or you needing to do that? We're going to be at different places. Are you, do you have a full time job? Do you have, you know, uh, kids that you are juggling? Or are you like, yeah, I could spend eight hours a day for the next three days and just power through this. So I, I create three archetypes throughout. And I just did the course throughout looking at every single girl. What does she need or not need? So that you could sort of say, all right, this one feels the most similar to me. I'm kind of her, her story and where she's at in business is me. And I'm looking at this. And I went through and I estimated how long should you spend on each one of these things. And so there's four modules in the class. And it, by the end of module two, you have, you, you know what your product is, your, uh, your audience, you've created the landing page for it, the opt-in page for it, the, the emails you've launched. Like you've sent out the emails and you've told people that it's open and they can buy and what the thing is. If you're doing that full time, you've literally done that in a day and a half. I mean, I, I'm, I've got girls that are spending months doing that. I have spent months doing that. And in this case, I just said, you know what? There's lots of ways to do a sales page. I'm not saying that I've spent my whole life, my whole career testing the exact perfect sales page template, but I just gave you one. I gave you the one that I use, and I'm not saying that it's the most perfect and it may grow over time, but you know what? You're going to get that sales page done in less than an hour. And why is that? Well, because I have this previous step that I have you do where you answer all of these questions for something else. And I'm like, hey, save this copy because we're going to turn it into a sales page. How long do you normally spend working on a sales page? I walked the walk with this. I did the exercise myself, and then I, I created my sales page. And I got to say, I think it's one of the better sales pages I've created. I really kicked my own butt doing this because I, I was looking for, I, I was doing the self-coaching of how do I simplify this? If I had a coach here that was saying, this is, this is the deadline that you have. And because I realized when I have coaches, I get more done because they give me those deadlines. But not everyone can afford to have a coach. I don't wanna spend the money on a coach year round. So what could I create that would be the incredibly affordable version of, hey, here's a template, here's timelines. I'm virtually kicking your butt and t telling you, girl, just make it happen, you got an hour. Like, don't, don't overthink it. Whatever you have, done, like, done is better than perfect. Let's just get it out and then we're gonna have data to be able to make it better rather than being in our cave trying to make it perfect without getting any feedback on it. So in addition to having a different way to look at strategy, 
realizing that confidence comes through action. And that means we we make things happen more quickly. And then like that buzziness that I expl- shared with my from my students, that's the confidence. Suddenly you're like, okay, I writing a sales page is not as overwhelming as I think. This tech is not as overwhelming as I think. It's not as terrible, you know, it doesn't have to be so heavy writing sales emails. Like I'm more confident now that like I did stuff and I can celebrate that and I feel good about myself rather than, a month, two months, three months has gone by and I still haven't really done anything. And then just the guilt and the shame and the failure kind of builds up. So I really think that confidence that comes through action is so important to our momentum, to our progress. We start making money. We feel better about ourselves. We're actually headed in the right direction. Like there's just so much benefit that comes from that. It's also really ownership over data, numbers, and finances. Those things that I wanted to put my head in the sand on that I am still challenging myself to be better at. This has been an ongoing focus for us inside the mastermind and it has been amazing to see their results and insights and wins because of this and the number of times they'll post. Here's what just happened because I was doing my KPIs, because I reconciled this, etc. If Hillary hadn't had me do this, I wouldn't have known this. I would have made this mistake. I wouldn't have had this opportunity, etc. And then the fourth part really is mindset, which sounds like it's a bonus, like, oh, and we want to be more mindful, right? And all those things. But it is foundational. I really believe 80% of my battle in business is within my own head. It is not that I do not know enough about Pinterest. (laughs) It is my mindset, my fears, my stories, my inner monologue, my limiting beliefs, my all of those things. It is self-coaching. And there is so much of that that I did throughout creating this new course. This is my first new course that I've created, I believe, in four years. It was my first one after having business partners for three years where I, I'm do everything in the launch that they previously did is back to me doing. That's been three or four years since that happened. So there could have been so many opportunities for me to panic, go into overwhelm, wish someone else was here, get, you know, all so, so many different stories. And yet I really taught what I used to be like, girl, we're just going to make this happen. We're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it simple. And we're just going to get out of our own way and help people, right? So I think ultimately... In conclusion, that ownership is about lessening our overwhelm and stopping procrastination. Because the procrastination is like someone else will have the answer. Or if I have a little bit more wisdom and knowledge, if I have a little bit more money, if I could just hire help and it keeps getting further and further out as opposed to ownership is saying, yeah, I can launch and make money or more money in my business in the next three or 30 days. Yeah, absolutely. And now I feel way less overwhelmed about that because I know I've got enough to just start right now. I don't need to wait until I have all these other things, which leads to more confidence because confidence comes through action and it leads to more revenue, which the real reason that is so impactful is because revenue gives us peace. Just that underlying sense of peace when your business is more profitable, when you have that financial room to breathe, you have more options. You have the option to hire help. You have the option to invest in advertising. You have the option to get a business coach. It gives us so much peace and it gives us so much power in the same way. We have more options to to decide rather than being disempowered because we just don't have the, the money, the margin the time to get to any of those things. So I really want to invite you to find out more about this course if any of this is speaking to you, whether you are just looking to start a little side gig, you have a full-time job, you have not been able to go back to it since quarantine, or you just started to get some ideas in quarantine about, you know, is there a way I could do this online? Is there a way that I could do one-on-ones? Like, I'm wanting to feel a little more economically secure. I'm wanting to create a little more money on the side because... Now I'm realizing we just never know what's going to happen with recessions. And coronavirus is perhaps a once-in-a-generation thing. Please, Jesus, let us hope. But, um, but a recession comes around every 10 years. Like, these, these things are cyclical. And when recessions happen, online businesses, which is specifically what I'm helping people move forward with, they are the most recession-proof businesses. I'll talk more about that in the class. But the stats are really amazing. Um, and... It, I, I've been so grateful in this season, the number of times that I've said to Jeremy, I am so grateful that I have an online business and that we are okay financially during this time. So whether you are just starting as something on the side, a brand new business, you've never launched or created anything, or you're well into business, but you're just creating a new product, a new offering, whether you're pivoting because of COVID and you can't have your in-person retreat, or it's just time for you to create a new course or to 
um, you know, get your coaching out in the world. Um, maybe you have a brick and mortar or you have a physical business, but you want to expand to have an online business because you now realize I, I want to have a little bit more of a safety net. I don't want everything to be in my in-person yoga studio. I also want to get this online thing up and running and not quit it when COVID comes. I can have a whole other revenue stream over here. Or I'm sorry, when COVID ends, uh, when the quarantine ends. But um, but I can have this whole other product. If it is not the right invitation and help for you right now, or you hear this after the doors are closed, really my message is that if you are called to it, I believe that you're equipped for it. And that's something that I've, I've heard said. I am imagining I'm not the first person that you've heard say that. If you're called to it, you're equipped for it. But when you, when you panic is when that doesn't feel true. And I want you to know that when that doesn't feel true, you're not alone. I think that is a very common mindset to, mindset to feel, I am not equipped for this. I do not know what to do. And that doesn't mean that th this ownership doesn't mean that we don't ask for help or hire help. That is wisdom and humility. But it is really building up that inner confidence. It is taking action. And I'm going to hold you accountable to that in the timeline through this course and having these different archetypes and really help you make things happen much more quickly than you would on your own. It's a confidence through a different lens through which we approach strategy that really speaks to us and and we can like feel in our gut like yes I know this I do know business this isn't a well I didn't really go to business school or oh, I got no background in this this is like no actually I I, I do know this it's the tools for self-coaching which is so incredibly important being in a community that reminds us and does the same because truly you know that adage of the rising tide lifts all boats it, or you're the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. I mean, those things really are so true. When we are around other strong, confident, empowered, humble, vulnerable women, that brings out more in us. When we see those people that model and inspire and encourage us, we are more likely to become that. The, the root of encourage means to put courage in someone. And that is what I so believe and see happens in community. And it is what I really feel called to for entrepreneurs that feel called to work with me is to, to help put courage in you. Not just through fluffy talk and rah, 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 but truly through tools around your mindset, around your strategy, through a community, through personal feedback, through so many different pillars to really allow you to build a business that brings you peace, brings you joy, blesses your life, and you genuinely feel confident in because I think that is ultimately what I am here to help us do, whether that is in our beauty or overcoming our anxiety or in our business. Really, I want to help us all be more confident that we're worthy, that we're able, that we have something to say, that we are not broken, that we are strong enough, we are healthy enough, all of the things. And to me right now in this season, it is really powerfully culminating in this brand new course, in this um, small window of opportunity to join us inside the Elegant Excellence Mastermind for those of you that really want to take your business, your income, your peace, your confidence to the next level in the last six months of 2020 and beyond. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, this week is actually something that I'm not loving lately. Um, there is a quote from a million years ago, you know the show Modern Family? I don't even know if it's still on, I haven't watched it in years, but there's an episode when Manny, the little boy, he's like 12 at the time, he comes downstairs and his stepdad is like so frustrated that he's taking too long. He's like, oh, we're going to be late, what's taking you so long? And he was like, I was getting dressed, Jay. Too many choices is a prison. And I think about that line all the time of this like 12-year-old boy that cares so much about what he looks, just standing in front of his closet, overwhelmed with all of the options. And I have shared that so many times because I think so many of us as women resonate with that, standing in front of your closet. I remember one of my students one time said something about her husband calls it like praying to the closet gods because he'll just walk by and find her just standing in front of the closet staring at it. He's like praying to the closet gods again. Yep. Um, and I was like, that's actually a really good point. I can absolutely picture the woman just standing, staring at her closet. She's not even moving. She's just scanning. She's trying to process what it is that she wants to wear. So I did an episode on um, 
style during quarantine, which I will link below. And one of the things that I was talking in that was whatever we love in quarantine, let's keep. Let's not feel like what we what we gain during this time we're going to lose when it's over. And so specifically with with how we were feeling about style and on all of that, I gave a lot of specific examples. So one of the things that I realize now, I kind of loved, and I've seen this before. Uh, many years ago when I first started Dean Street, I spent six weeks over in London. And I remember at that time, I was doing one of my monthly style challenges. And I remember the freedom of having such a limited wardrobe. And there was only so many options. So I couldn't hem and haw. And I just was like, okay, I see what the challenge style challenges are for the next five days. So I'm going to plan out my outfits for the next five days. And I don't really have a lot of to decide between. So there you go. This one could work for either day. I don't want to wear, wear it back to back days. Great. I'll use this for this, this for that. And I remember that feeling. This is like 2012, 2013. Coming back and feeling overwhelmed by my closet. I mean, like, interesting. I normally appreciate how much variety I have in my closet. But this is feeling a little bit overwhelming. So we came back. We swapped out our winter closets for summer closets. Just meaning like the winter things that were in my closet. I moved over into um, my office closet just to like get more of that visually out of the way. And then I really had to think, okay, and you guys, you've been living at home. So you've already been, you did this months ago when you were like, so what do I wear during quarantine? Like, what's this going to be? And I, it's so weird, especially, you know, I think we're all in different places. Some places in the world are moving back much more quickly. I hear from followers in Australia, you have so few cases, everything's kind of going back to normal. There's other places that are like incredibly locked down. I think England um, uh, is, you know, London maybe is sort of one of those. And so here in New York, I mean, we just envision this is going to be our life for, I mean, all of 2020. And, and and we're not going anywhere until like at least October. Like we're not sure like holidays, family, whatever. But we got quite a few months here. So I had to really start thinking like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, like we I, I, we can't go to church we're not going out to dinner. Well, there's a certain kind of outfit that I wear in my closet that's for that. I don't wear it just working from home. And I don't wear it walking to like get our Saturday morning coffee and croissant. I wear it for certain things. I have a kind of dress. It's just too cute for working at home because it kind of makes me feel like I should put on a little bit of makeup and I should kind of do my hair. And I don't do that when I'm working from home. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to take these things. And I'm going to move those also to the office closet. And then I thought, okay, I still have way too many clothes in here for for what I'm actually wearing for work for home. So now I kind of have a next phase, which I'm not I, I, I'm not at yet, um, of of thinking, okay, do I need to separate out what would I wear to work from home and what would I wear if I was going to meet a friend in the park? I mean, that's like about as big as our plans are going to get right now. And there still is a version of, oh, that's a cute dress. I could see walking around the neighborhood, taking a photo for Instagram, whatever, but I'm not going to wear it to just sit in my office. So I'm like, maybe I need to separate. I can keep them in that closet, but I have two separate sections. I will let you know on Instagram if I find something that works. Um, but I am just definitely noticing you know, and I understand the privilege of having a full closet. Like, let's be clear that I realize that I'm complaining about a first world problem here. But I just think it is interesting when I really try to notice these things. Okay, I'm drawn to buying more stuff. In some ways, I was drawn to buying even more stuff during quarantine because I just wanted the newness. I wanted the fresh inspiration. I'm sitting in this Airbnb that doesn't really inspire me. I'm here all day, every day. I don't go to cute restaurants. We, we talked about the buzz. I don't get any of the buzz of walking out and about. So I go into Target and I'm like, new things. And I, I almost want to buy more stuff. And okay, going to notice that. And also going to notice coming home and being like, now, I mean, guys, I'm not exaggerating. One day I changed clothes like three or four times. I put on something and then I realized, okay, wait, this is too hot to go for a walk and I want to go for a walk. Okay, I changed again. Then I was like, oh, this kind of looks like a slip and I'm getting on a like call with my college friends. So, okay, let me put on a different dress. So put on that. And I was like, okay, this really was like a little bit too hot now. So I'm going to change again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I only had two dresses pretty much that I wore all day every day for the last month in Phoenix because it was so hot and I never overthought it. It was like black one or coral one. So anyways, I just really want to encourage us, if you missed that episode on style, take a listen, but to really pay attention. Are there things that are overwhelming me? Are they slowing me down? And these things aren't easy answers because if I went all the way down to a capsule collection 100% of the time, 
I don't think that would make me happy. I think I want more play and diversity in my closet. But is there some kind of middle ground? I don't know. TBD. So I'm just coming here to say I don't got all the answers, friends. <laughs> but I am so honored to spend time with you today and specifically to spend time with you every day over in my Instagram stories. So I will see you over there for more conversation and community with grace and gumption. Oh, and of course, swipe up to join me for this live class uh, and before the doors close for the new course and the opportunity to join us inside the Elegant Excellence Mastermind if that speaks to you. I cannot wait to hear more of your business story and help you grow this year and beyond. Till next Wednesday. 